I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, welcome to the Leaf Report podcast brought to you by The Athletic and the Saki Hall of Fame. James has got on his nice Mario Lemieux socks. Looking pretty good. Yeah, what's, what's the URL? Babsocks.ca? I think it's my franchise. Oh yeah, my franchise. Yeah, buy the sock, <laughs> live the dream. All right, so James was on the road for three of the four games of that trip. I guess the trip actually was longer than four was games because it was six because they played uh, the Rangers and the Canadians, and I was at those games. What was your favorite part or favorite city to visit on the trip? So you went to Vegas, you went to Denver, and you went to Glendale. Boy, that's a really tough call, Jonas. I can't. I Denver's pretty good. Really? What did you like about Denver? It was I just fine. Like... It was just like I would put it like kind of like middle of the pack in terms of NHL cities. Vegas was unbelievable. I loved it. It was it was so much fun. Did you gamble? No, I'm not a big gambler. But like beautiful hotel, beautiful restaurants, lots to like see. I didn't go to a show because I didn't really have time. But the game experience was fantastic. I thought the in arena. With all the Leafs fans there and everything, it was loud. The pregame was good. They had Cirque du Soleil did a thing in the first intermission that was good. Mm. It was it was excellent. And you could tell the Leafs players were fired up to play there. Uh, the Golden Knights were fired up because they had been losing. It was a good game. It was a good atmosphere. It was a great city. I like. I can't wait to go back there again. Well, you noted that like the crowd in your your story, uh, which was about Austin Matthews, but like. You mentioned like the game experience. I I went there for the game last year on New Year's Eve. 
and it like feels like it it doesn't totally f- feel like all the other games it's like you're at a show and like there just happens to be hockey so like if you were a fan and like you were picking trips i would pick that trip like near the top of the list or that like close be the, i don't know i mean like if you like kind of like the if you want to go somewhere where there's lots of action like if you have kids or whatever i probably w- i wouldn't go there like i wouldn't bring my kids there for that to be the trip i would take them to my son's four i would take him to montreal or new york or something like that to see a game vegas though like if you're going with like just your buddies mm-hmm. your buddies especially or or your wife like i that's what i was thinking is like i wish i had my wife here this would have been this would be amazing it's just there's so much happening there the food's so good and there were two shows across the street from my hotel uh backstreet boys and gwen stefani were both wow we're both playing which, which i could have went and seen if you were gonna pick between the two to go see one of the shows which would you pick I would pick the Backstreet Boys. Just I think like I would too. Nostalgia factor. I I think when I know Gwen Stefani's like a more talented musician, but I guess if it was No Doubt, maybe I'd go see No Doubt. But just Gwen Stefani. Uh, yeah, I don't really know her new stuff. I'm not hip enough. I think that shit is bananas. B a n a n a s. All right. So where do you want to start? Was there a part of the road trip or one of the games that was most interesting to you? Um, they played well for parts of it. I'd say they played well actually for most of it, except for the Arizona game. Uh, Vegas, they played well. Colorado, like, eh. Uh, St. Louis, the second half of that game. They remain a hard team to get a handle on and, like, put fit a narrative to because they play some games. Like, the St. Louis game is a good example where, like, they are just brutal in the first period, and then mm-hmm. they come back and they look really good. Uh, Colorado, they were okay in the power play, just scored a whole bunch of goals. Um Montreal, I liked the way that they played that game. And Vegas, I thought they played really well. So, you know, Vegas was was one of their better games. And Austin Matthews was one of his best games ever. I thought he took over that game. Um, But it's just, the Leafs feel like a really uneven team where you Mm -hmm. don't know what you're going to get night to night. And I wonder if that's what we're going to be saying going into the playoffs. We've got 23 games to go. Well, I think the, the one trend, not the one trend, but one of the trends that we've noticed is that when they're playing like an opponent, that's right up there their game seems to kind of represent that and when they're playing a team like who's kind of like Arizona it's like eh. and and I could understand that like I could understand being a player and even like us covering it like when you're going to cover the Coyotes Leafs it just doesn't have the same feeling and I can imagine for a player it's not there I just wonder if like that actually has an effect once you like how does that have an effect in the playoffs like when every single game mean something I guess you could go back to last year when down the stretch they weren't playing very well they were playing kind of like disinterested and then games one and two in Boston hit and they just like weren't ready they weren't ready no so they need to I mean I think that's going to be one of the stories here assuming they don't do anything at the trade deadline which I imagine we'll talk about later in the podcast the one of the real stories here over the rest of the way we know pretty much you're going to finish in second or third in the Atlantic Division. There's not a lot of intrigue there. Mm-hmm. What we're looking for is how do they look going into the playoffs? And they they need to they need to be better. I mean, they won games at the end of last year, but they, as you said, disinterested is a good word for it. Like they just they weren't up for those games. And I wonder if it's because they have a lot of young players, or you know, uh, maybe they're overconfident. I Honestly, think. man, like I can, it's hard. Like it's hard to be amped up for every single game. It just is. Like, I just think it's human nature to some degree. And, like, the youth, I'm sure, is part of it. Look how many games are playing right now. Yeah, they have 15 like games in 28 days in February. Like, the schedule is just... 
so you covered a back-to-back last weekend and then I did those those games the three and six nights or whatever it was and the schedule just keeps going we're back and they're playing again tomorrow they're playing Washington here in Toronto and yeah. it's because like they're playing every second night the rest of the way if they if you look I was looking at it and over the last I want to say month the Leafs have played more games than anyone in the league and mm-hmm. that's that trend looks like it's going to continue here over the next little bit well in some days like a, you're just not feeling great. Other days, I'm sure your legs just aren't there. Like, there's just stuff that like happens throughout the year. It's not making excuses. I think it's just reality of being like a, a human being. But some stuff did happen on that trip. Their power play looks like a power play again. Uh, Matthews looks probably better than he has since October. Um, Neilander, I thought Neilander might have been their best player in St. Louis. He looks like he's back. Uh, the pairs are all, I don't know what's going on with their defense. And you wrote about their lines at, at one point. Um, we can talk about any of that stuff. I think the stuff with the lines is interesting. I, stuff, I think the stuff with the pairs is really fascinating right now. Which of those is like most intriguing to you right now? Yeah, I think what they're going to do on D is interesting. Because if I think if you go in against Boston again and you've got Ron Hainsey on the top pair, there's a lot of concern there mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. and. It seems to be that that's what Mike Babcock thinks is going to work. The argument for doing it is that the other two pairs, statistically, have been really successful. I mean, if you look at uh, Muzzin, Zaitsev, and and Gardner Dermott, their possession and scoring chance share and all that stuff is all really, really good. Um, So maybe the argument is that if our second and third pair are beating up on the other team's second and third pairs, maybe it's okay if our first pair is just kind of meh. But... I don't know. The, the The problem with Boston is that they've got they're like a one line team. Yeah. They have one great line, and and their other three lines are kind of like whatever. And if you're the Leafs, you don't have one great D pair to match up against that one great line. So I wonder what they're going to do. Like I wonder what D pair and I wonder what forward line they can match up against Boston's top line. Well, and it's like you look at the playoffs last year. That one line dominated. Like that one line was great, and that one line. Like, granted, it went to Game 7 and the Leafs came back. You could make a very strong case that that one line won Boston the series. Yeah. It, it just, like, I wrote about this while you're away. It does make you wonder what you're thinking if you're Kyle Dubas. Like, you spend a first-round pick on Jake Muzzin, and, like, six and a half games in, and, and he's not on the top pair. It's like the reason you get Jake Muzzin is to play on your top pair, play in your top four, and to replace Ron Hainsey. And now it's like, what have you done? Like, I get... To your point, like they're de- they're deeper, they're second and third pairs. Well, you got rid of Ojeganov, and you have a guy in Muzzin that you can play in more minutes. But you didn't like you want you. I can't imagine that that's what he was thinking when he made that trade. Do no. you like you don't no. spend that that capital like a first round pick isn't nothing. Well, Muzzin's like a two or a three D that you're thinking is going to play twenty plus minutes, and he's not doing it right now. Right. And you're playing him with with Zaitsev, who's doing him no. That's a weird pair. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't do him any favors. It just doesn't totally make sense. You know what's sense. interesting is they haven't played Muzzin on the right side at all. At all. And that is that is the most fascinating thing. Yes. We need to, to ask Muzzin, like, do you not want to... Like, I well, don't think like, he cares. So I wasn't with the team when right after the trade happened, but I understand from listening to everything and reading everything that he has been asked about that a bunch of times and has basically said, like, he's more comfortable on the left. That's his thing. What I've been like puzzled by, and maybe you can answer this, is A, did the Leafs not know that? Did management not know 
that he hadn't played the right and wouldn't play the right. Maybe like maybe you can't. They could find out if he had played the right, but I guess he, they he could, didn't really. I looked at it quite a bit, and he but, had not played the right side very much. He so, played with Martinez and Doughty a lot, and the Doughty's a right D, and Martinez is a left shot that plays the right side. So then, if they knew that, did I'm they? Sure, they knew that. So then, did they think that he would move over? And then he came here, and he's like, I, I don't really feel comfortable moving over. I, like I, I don't know. I don't know if you're. Can you can you talk to the agent and be like, can your guy play the right? I don't know if that's allowed. I don't know. I did talk to the agent, and he said he hasn't played a lot on the right. That that's what the agent said. But so then, do you, okay? So knowing that all that stuff, do you still make that trade? I guess I think part of what's happening here is that it's it's another battle between Dubis yeah. and Babcock. I I think that. Most of the people in the analytics community believe this left-right-hand shot split is kind of BS. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's what Kyle Dubas believes and that's what... I haven't read... Tyler Dello did a story on the left-right shot, and he's kind of skeptical about the whole thing, that it matters. Um, I I haven't read that piece yet because I was traveling and everything else. But this feels like another battle between Dubas and Babcock. It really does. And, like, not, not like they hate each other or anything it's a disagreement over what needs to happen here well and you can envision like what would have happened babcock goes okay like i'll try it like i'll try him with with riley he doesn't want to play the right i'll put riley on the right i'll give it i'll give it a go and he gives it a go in six and a half games and he's like you know what i thought it looked okay i don't I thought it was fine yeah. and and i think that the part that i don't like is i think and i get what mike it, babcock is saying about offense and Riley being better on his left but to me you have to see the big picture and the big picture has to be what is going to give us the best position or the best chances of success in the playoffs and I think that is their best chance of success and it just doesn't seem like he was ever really totally committed to the whole thing I don't get what like why does he like Ron Hainsey so much I don't get it because he's not making very good plays out of their end like I get that he I get that he likes the positioning like, like if you watch Ron Hainsey, he's very good at kind of being in the house. But that's not what it is. That's not what it is. Because the, he's made this all about Riley, right? Riley needs to be on his left side. He's better offensively. Like, it, it, he's just better there. The problem with that is, is Riley so much better on his left than having Ron Hainsey on the right is as opposed to having Riley and Muzzin? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is that difference so much? And I would argue... In in fact, it's not. I would argue that you're better off having Riley on his right, playing with Muzzin. You're going to get a better pair. Well, if you decide that Riley can't has to play on the left side, you're basically fucking the whole thing up. Yes. Because Gardner can't play that side. Yeah. Muzzin sounds like he's not comfortable there. So now what you've got is you've got... You can move Dermot over, mm-hmm. but then Babcock doesn't want to play Dermot more than, whatever, 18 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. And then... You lock Someone, yourself in a box. You lock, yeah, you, yeah. You lock yourself in a Ron Hainsey box. <laughs> but like, if, like if so, now you're back to where you got your three best D on the left side again, yeah. and and your your weaker D are all on the right side. And well, and like they can make, they can certainly make the case. We're gonna wait until Muzzin's comfortable. Let him be around the team for a bit. We're the problem with time. that is there is no time. They're and so like now, if you're gonna ask. Muzzin to play on his wrong side, and you're going to be like, okay, you got 20 games to learn this, bud. Go for it. The thing is, like, Riley 
can still break the puck out fine on his right. Like, and he can do... He, the problem is he doesn't have the same vision of the ice, which is a point. And, like, if you look at some of the numbers, and I know Tyler ran it more, ran it deeper than I did, but, like, they're not scoring as much in, in a very small sample size in those games that he played the right. But it's like, man, like, if you're if you're counting on Hainsey, Riley, to go against that Persian online, it just feels like you're asking no, for trouble. Yeah, exactly. So they need to put a plan in place for the playoffs right now and to get that working. And whether that's Riley and Gardner playing together, whether that's Riley and Dermott playing together, yeah. it needs to be something other than what they did last year. Because it's not going to – like, it, it didn't work last year. Hainsey's numbers are all down from last season. Yeah. They've been low all year. We've seen that his results tend to get worse as the year goes on. On and on and on and on and on. And the other thing, too, is that when I looked at the D-pair numbers, uh, they play uh, Hainsey with Zaitsev quite a bit. And a lot of that's the shutdown minutes at the end of games. Their numbers are terrible. They're terrible. They're like 39%. That's what you said. Like, well, they're like playing like minutes at the end of games and whatever. And I was like, yeah, but like 39%? There's like What's... no D in the NHL that's that bad. Yeah. That makes sense. But like, look at the two players, right? Like That's the, the analytics team on the Leafs has to look at those numbers and be like, we need to try something. I thought when they got Muzzin that Muzzin would get some of those minutes late in games. And and maybe he eventually will. It's it's like a trust thing. He trusts Hainsey. It just doesn't feel like if you're if you're Mike Babcock. Play Muzzin and Hainsey then. Like, this doesn't feel like the hill you want to die on to me. The, Hain- like, the Hainsey Hill? Like, I just... If I'm Mike Babcock and I'm going into the playoffs, and let's say that, that pair again is a problem, and that's their pair, what are you going to... What, like, what's your case to, to Dubas at the end of the year? Like, I knew it... I would... If I was Dubas, I would be like, we knew it, that wasn't going to work, and, like, you insisted on it. Like, what what are we doing here? Well, this is where, like, there could be... If they lose in the first round again, there could be a breakdown, right? Between the two camps. That's what... That's why it's so interesting. It, it really feels like and everyone always makes this reference to the to Moneyball. It's not the same thing because Dubas didn't like trade away a player that that Babcock wanted, but he gave him a player that he wasn't sure how to use. Yeah. Well, and and like I haven't figured out how to mention this in a story yet, and I don't even know if it's notable. I think it is. If you go back to the World Cup, Jake Muzzin was supposed to be in their top six. He was supposed to play for them. I believe he played one game and then was gone. And Mike well, Babcock... Well, the idea was he was going to pair with Doughty. That yes. was part of why he made the team. And then he played... I, I believe he played one game and then uh, Babcock went to Jay Bomeister, who is like... It's it's like the same sort of thing. Ba- Jay Bomeister is Ron Hainsey. Like, he was same kind of older guy who Mike Babcock knows, he trusts. He's long. He's long. And Yesterday he, and he, was long. And he played the rest of the tournament. And, like, that wasn't the way it looked like it was going to shape up. So, like, I don't know. if you, <laughs> you mentioned trading him. Maybe you trade him. But it's not like Muzzin's, like, a big skill D. Like, he... It's trust. Like, it's just, like, knowing... I don't know. It's, I don't think Muzzin's been amazing. Like, I, he looks kind of uncomfortable. And he said sure. that he doesn't understand the system because it's way different than L.A. And he's made mistakes and... There was that one goal where he blew a tire and mm-hmm. St. Louis scored right away. And uh, He has not been great, but I don't know if the Leafs are going to be able to make another trade. I'm skeptical they're going to be able to make another trade that is of any consequence before Monday at the trade deadline. And now there's going to be a trade before this gets posted and 
it's going to look stupid. But I'm, I think they're trying. I think management's trying to make another deal. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, given their cap situation. And Okay, hang on. Muzzin's the move. Muzzin's the move they made. Muzzin was the move they made. Okay, what, what we're going to talk about trade line, deadline in a second. First, we have to pause and talk about The Athletic. Um, Subscribe now. So go to theathletic.com slash sleep report for 40% off. If you're not a subscriber, you have to turn this off right now. <laughs> it's going to self-destruct. Um, there was a really good thing this morning from Craig Custance kind of giving you the inside scoop on like how it is to be a general manager. I haven't read that either. All right. Well, I read it, and it it kind of just fills you in on some of like the stuff that, like how they communicate. Like, are they texting? Are they calling? How do how does this stuff kind of go down? It was really interesting. The other thing that was really interesting, I I feel like I mentioned basketball articles every week, and this is a Leaf podcast, but whatever. There was a really interesting one from Marcus Thompson about Giannis maybe going to the Golden State Warriors, which was really interesting. Anyway, you don't care about basketball. Yeah, the Warriors. The Warriors need. Some more talent. <laughs> I've always said that. All right, so let's talk trade deadline. Subscribe to the Athletic. There's too much shit for any normal person to get read. Even if you work there, I can't even read everything. Which is good. Which means you always have something to read about any sport you want, any team you want. Um, so trade deadline. So you think Muzzin is the move? If that's the case, then I'm thinking Dubis just looked at it as a talent ad. I'm going to get someone who's better than what we have and just try to figure it out. You don't think that there's another move that they can make because of the cap, because of the pieces that they have, or because there just isn't something that works? All of it. I think I think the trade they need to make to fix the right side of their D means you've got to move out Hainsey or Zaitsev, and probably Zaitsev, because it's a long... T- Any trade they make right now has to include what, what the cap looks like long-term and what the roster looks like long-term. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just... I don't think you're just getting a rental player. If you go and just get a rental player, let's say you get Nick Jensen or you get Adam McQuaid or whatever, how does that change your decor? Like, who's coming out of the lineup? Like, so Dermot's going to sit out and you're going to play Adam McQuaid or Nick Jensen? That doesn't make you better. Like, what's no. the point of that? If you're going to acquire a forward, let's say, you know, people are talking about, you're going to get Wayne Simmons. I don't, They're not going to. Let's just say that they do. Okay, so Andreas Janssen gets bumped down to the fourth line. That was how, a did, whole, how does that make you better? Yes. But Kyle Dubas knows this. He's not going to do that. So, like, the trade they need to make is Zaitsev plus some other shit out, g- better right defenseman in, and you get better that way. But I don't think they can make that trade. They're, I think they're gonna. They're trying to make that trade. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Well, so when I did um, potential targets for them to trade for, I was just thinking in my head of like how they could get a deal done. I think that I have a hard time believing someone's going to trade for Zaitsev right now, let alone like in the summer. But what you could do is like you could move Hainsey, Brown, Pick, just to make the money work and give that team something. The problem is I don't know if that's enough um, for the kind of guy we're talking about. Like I listed Jared Spurgeon as like the ideal fit. He's got one well, more Minnesota's year. Minnesota's falling apart. Right. So like he kind of looks like the, the guy that would, would – But Minnesota solve. doesn't want Hainsey. I mean I well, guess Well, it's expiring, right? Yeah. Like uh, Spurgeon has one more year at, at five and change. Hainsey's contract would expire. They'd get a player in like Brown or whoever and then a pick. I don't know if that's enough. Like Spurgeon's on their top well, area. You have really to put good. some prospects in there. Right. So maybe you – I feel like you, that's the kind of move that you could do. 
Um, the problem is like there's not a lot of like perfect fits. Like a lot of those guys I, I looked at, and you mentioned some of the rental guys, like Adam McQuaid. They don't need that. Like even Radko Gudis, I don't think that really makes you that much better. Nick Jensen doesn't make you that much better. You need like a really good player. And it's the same thing on left wing. Like you, you hear Michael Furland. Like what is Michael Furland doing for you? I guess you could trade Hainsey for like a Jensen and then here you go, Babcock. Like figure it out. The Justin Hall thing I I was thinking a lot about too because I'm on the road and you see him there and he's like stretching his groin for the 8,000th time, like mm-hmm. using the yoga mats and the the bouncy balls and all that. And it's like, like this guy's like, what is going on? There's, there's there's like this human being that's plays for the Maple Leafs. Like he must tell people I play for the Maple Leafs, and they go look up his stats, and they're like, okay. And and he's like a professional like workout guy with the trainers. Like it's it's really really strange that like they sent Marinchin down. And it's like okay, like why wouldn't you have waved Hall and at least played him? Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't know why they did that. I think that that that's that has to be another Dubas Babcock thing. That's the only thing that makes sense. But what is like obviously Mike Babcock doesn't want to play him. But what is the Dubas thing being like? You're, well, you're stuck with him. What is that like? I I just can't. I can't. See what, what else could it be though? I can't think of another reason why you would have a guy in the team that plays two games the whole year. Like even if people get hurt, you're probably not going to want to play him because he doesn't know. He, like, forgets how to play. Like, he's, like, an expert at doing the rolling around on the yoga mat. Like, he's not... Well, now he can't play. Like, I no, don't think you can play him at all. You can't play him at all. Yeah. If you talk to former NHL players who are, work as analysts and whatever, now they're like, if a guy misses... Like, look at what Nylander looked like for two months. If a guy doesn't play for 30 games, it's going to take him a long time to get back to where he can actually contribute. And Hall was a fringe NHLer to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, so problem, now, and, and like they're so tight against the cap, and they're spending this like six fifty or whatever it is on Hall that they didn't aren't using, and yeah, it's it's really strange. You got Ojaganov as your extra D. Why do you have to carry Hall too? Now they have two extra D that are right shots, and they don't have enough right shots that are in the top six. Well, and it's not like they're gonna be, um, like it's not like if they waived him. He would get claimed. No. And he's got another year in the deal. This is the kind of thing I was like, <laughs> I would get three hours sleep, and I'd be at the airport waiting for my flight, and I was like. What the hell is going on with Hall? I think it's on Dubis to to have waived him. But I think the fact he didn't is... I just don't know what you're accomplishing. Like, the the coach is going to pick the lineup. Unless you're going to start picking the lineup, what are you going to do? It's it's literally exactly the same thing as Levo, to a T. And he signed a two-year deal, and like... You know what the difference is? This is not going to be different next year. You know what the difference is? Corrado and Levo played way more than Justin Hall has. Yeah. Like, way more. This is like that, like, on, like, PCP. Like, it's like a whole another level of, of that. Well, but when we did the live the live show, one of the live shows, we had Justin Bourne on, and he mentioned that, like, it was, he knows, like, do, or Babcock doesn't feel like Hall's Hall tough. can play, or yeah. he's soft, or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's a nice little tangent. Um, so... So interesting. So you don't think it's so if you were putting money, you would say nothing gets done. I guess that's always a safe bet. I could see them trading like a fourth or fifth round pick for like a depth guy that I just don't know what that No, I don't know what it is either. And I don't think I don't think Dubas likes making those kind of trades where for a rental. So probably nothing. I think probably nothing. But they I they're trying to do something bigger. Well what is the so then what is the difficulty? That it's that there's not the right guys? Like because some of the guys I listed, like Josh Manson, Brandon Montour um, like they're not 
they're just not great fits. Well, let's talk it out. Like Spurgeon, I think is a great fit. Yeah. I think he's the kind of defenseman that that Dubis would really like. Minnesota is a mess, and their GM. He said he cries like a baby at night or something. Did you see that quote yesterday? Like, their GM is like in not a good mental state. So like, let let's let's try and make the trade that makes sense. It has to make sense for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So what you said, Hainsey Brown and a pick. That not enough. Why would Minnesota do that? Well, okay, so now I have to. They're not tearing down. Okay, so you so I'll be Minnesota and I'll say, okay, you need to add a prospect, and you say what? I'll be Minnesota and I'll say. Parise and Ryan Suter are getting older. We want to be competitive next year. Give us a player that can help us play next year. Spurgeon's one of our best D. He plays mm-hmm. tons of minutes. He plays both special teams. Give us a player that makes our team better. Well, so I'm giving you Brown. He's got another year, and I'll give you a prospect. Who's no, the prospect? I'm not doing that trade. <laughs> I, we need a defenseman that comes in and can play big minutes for us. You can have Zaitsev. Nah, <laughs> that's, that contract's a bit much. Uh, what if you retain $1.5 of Zaitsev? Then we'll think about it. I would think about that. They're going to want Lilgren, Sandine, maybe Dermot. They're going to want like a piece that, that comes in that makes sense for them. Okay, so let's, let's talk Lilgren. I'm, I'm, all, I'm increasingly wary about making judgments on players at that age. And I think like there's just, we just constantly. I think there's a chance that Lilgren plays with the Leafs like next year. Yes. Like there, it, it's very. I think you have to be really careful about trading guys that young um, with that kind of skill. Well, Kapanen's a great example. Yes. And, and like when that trade was made, the, the talk was, they, how could they not get Derek Pouliot? And it's like, <sighs> go look at Derek Pouliot I now. just thought Kapanen was, was not going to be a big offensive producer. I thought he was going to be kind of like a 30-point guy that can kill penalties. And but That's why you got to be careful because like he was 18 or 19 or whatever he was. And you don't know. But... The thing, like, if you're if you're trying to win a cup right now, and you're trying to win a cup next year too, Spurgeon increases your chances a lot, or how much I don't know. Is it worth it to increase those chances when you have John Tavares right, like, probably near the end of his prime, or is it worth it to keep Lilligren and hope like you can pat, yeah. piecemeal it some other way? This is like the really tough divide that like or balance that Dubas has to walk. I tend to think like you kind of got to go for it, but I also can understand like Lilligren could be important next year and maybe maybe the difference isn't enough. That's why knowing what those guys are as an organization is really important. Like yeah. Kyle Dubas needs to have a really good understanding of of what these players are and mm-hmm. you know they got a lot of pieces on the left side. Maybe they maybe Dermot could be expendable. I don't know. I mean, I I like him as a player a lot, but if you're getting a better player that fits in your window right now, I don't know. I just all I'm saying is that if you want to acquire a player like that we're talking about, they have to give up something that's mm-hmm. of real value. That's not if you're dealing with a Minnesota, they don't want just prospects. Like they're not giving up. There are some teams that are giving up, like L.A. and the mm-hmm. Rangers, and but those teams don't have the defensemen that the Leafs want and that's like that's why it's so tough like do you give up the prospect who you think might be good for something like you know right now is good I don't know like not j- only that Jonas but Spurgeon's making whatever 5.9 or something like that yeah five Lilgren, and change. Lilgren's making like 800k like right. so like he so fits like his, right in on your cap right and so is the difference between those two guys right. next year enough to make up that difference I don't know but I do know he would solve your top pair issue. 
for the for two cup runs, and I think that's really important. Um, I don't know, like you just see like the Oilers right now deciding like, okay, we're done. Like we've had enough of Pooley RV, and it's like be very fucking careful because like man, like all it yeah, takes. The Oilers is... have had enough of Brandon Manning too, who they just acquired. <laughs> I think they've had enough of, of Koskinen in goal, too. But even like you see in other sports, like I was watching the Nets-Raptor game, and uh, a couple of years ago the Lakers traded D'Angelo Russell, who was a number two pick, when he was like 20. And now he's 22 and he's an all-star. He's like really good. It's like just be really, really careful. But like, man, like if 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 your choice is between continuing on with Hainsey on your top pair and giving up Lilligren, I don't know. Right. And I think that that's probably the position that other teams are putting them in. They're just, I don't know. There's The problem I don't think they're going to be able to make the trade. I don't think they're going to be able to, I think that in the summer you're going to see I think their roster is going to look a lot different by trading Zaitsev probably or trying. And and Gardner and Hainsey's contracts are up and we'll see what happens up front with the forwards. You know, they they're going to try and get Kapanen and Janssen. Maybe the forwards look similar and you still got Anderson and Sparks in goal, but I think the blue line next year is going to look a lot different. Hmm. Here's like two... We, you don't have a lot of time. Your parking's almost up. Here's like an idea, and I don't know if I'd do it. But is there a world, and it's it's topical now because he has a concussion, is there a world where you would look at moving Kadri if it helped you get that piece? Like if Minnesota said, you know what? Straight up. You give us Kadri, we'll, we'll, take, we'll give you Spurgeon. Well, the Wild need a center. I mean, Eric Stahl's a UFA, right? I mean, they... Kadri's on a good contract. They, they tried that Niederreiter for Victor Rask trade with the mm-hmm. Carolina, which was a disaster. And that's part of why they're in trouble, because Niederreiter looks really good for the Hurricanes. Um, that could be that could be something that made sense for them. I just think because you could move Neolander to center, you'd still have three really good centers. That would be your plan moving forward. And they probably have enough wingers, too. I mean, with the way that... You know, I, I I like Ennis and I like Trevor Moore and Bracco's played well with the Marlies and there's probably enough there. And wingers are usually pretty easy to acquire. I mean, they're usually cheaper in free agency. And mm-hmm. Look at the trade deadline. Look at all the wingers that are available. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's the move. I've always, like, in the back of my mind, I've been thinking of, like, how they're going to get this done. And like, to me, that, like, yeah. I, I think Kadri's really good. I also think he's 28. I think he's on a really good contract. I think there's like if you're you're ranking their valuable pieces that you could trade, he's got to be right up there just because of those facts. He's good and he's on a good contract and he's not old. The other thing that stood out to me too that piece that piece that I wrote about the line combinations and yeah, is that that line with Kedry is not anywhere close to as productive as Matthews and Tavares. He's not ma- like the numbers showed. He's not making other guys significantly better. It really stood out. I I didn't think that there would be that gap, but there's a huge gap. And we're talking if you look at the chart I built for that story, looked at the last two seasons, how much offense does every single winger produce with with those centers? Matthews and Tavares, it's like off the charts. It's like extremely high. Every every winger mm-hmm. is is helping uh that center produce, you know, 3 points per 60 minutes. That's not happening with Kadri. So we're not saying that he's not good. We think he's really, really good. I mean, he's a good, really good second-line center in the NHL, I would say. Um, but maybe, you know, if, if if you decide that this blue line is not good enough to win, 
maybe that's a deal you make. I don't, I don't know. All right, we have to leave it there. So again, the podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash leaf report for 40% off. James has his Bab socks slash Socky Hall of Fame Mario Lemieux socks on, so you can get those. I got to go buy a mystery pack. Jake, Jake and Tom, if you're listening at the Bab Socks head office, I want a mystery pack. Who do you want to get in the mystery pack is a question. Uh, Peter Forsberg? Uh, yeah, that'd be all right. Becoming an agent, apparently. Oh yeah, he yeah. bought in or something with what? Well, with Claude Lemieux's agency. Yeah. You know who on the Leafs has Claude Lemieux as the, has his his agent? Freddie Anderson. Wow, I didn't know that. That's Anderson's agent. Yeah. Huh. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week post trade deadline. So we'll see if they actually made. And also the Tavares in Islanders game is next week too. So we'll talk about that a little bit too. Okay, see you then.